Central Florida, this is Dr. Simone alongside Dr. Samuels and Dr. Wilker. Join us every Friday at 7.35 p.m. for Central Florida Education Pioneers. You do not want to miss this. Well, 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 it is a And we are in the house. Thank you all for joining us. For those on Radio Land, welcome. And for those um, joining us via Instagram or Facebook, thank you so much for being with us. And what other platform are they joining us? Streaming on WOKB? Yes. I can't keep up. WOKB Radio. Radio. Well, thank you, (laughs) ma'am. I can't keep up. Dr. Wilkerson, are you there? I am here. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Wilkerson, your Central Florida urban educator in the house. Urban educator. Yes. Good evening. Are you warm? Are you comfy there? Are you under your covers, Dr. Wilkerson? I am uh, ready for today's discussion and interested in seeing what you guys have to put on the table about Florida education preparation programs. I got a lot to say. Yes, we do. Yes. (laughs) Well, before we get into that juicy discussion, we want to pause for the cause. So just a reminder, every week we pause for the cause, and this is our small portion of of our segment where we recognize someone, a teacher in education. And the whole idea is because we're paying for forward. We know the hard work that our educators are doing that we are doing. We are educators as well. And we wanted to make sure we recognize. And it so happened that our recipient for this week is also our guest. Yay! He didn't know it. You didn't know it? want to pause to recognize Dr. Eugene Pringle. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> um, just a little bit about um, Dr. Pringle. He is, of course, a black male. I am. I am. For a long time. <laughs> and his work surrounds the urban black community and especially supporting black male success. He's all about success for male counterparts. Um, he has worked in the middle school system, and he is a teacher turned coach, then assistant. You have been on the block. Then assistant the principal, <laughs> and now he is an assistant professor at none other than the Bethune Cookman yes. University. Don't say that to uh, Dr. Wilkerson. <laughs> you know, I should give him tonight. I, I gave him a lot of room. I don't know if he next about that. But the rattler blood in me will. <laughs> well, we salute you and thank we you. thank you for thank all you. that you have done, you. all that you're doing, paving the way for mm-hmm. our black men who are coming up. Because, you know, um, while we female can uplift and support our black male, we also need our black males who have Absolutely. gone through the trenches to uplift each other as well. So thank you so much and Absolutely. support. We salute you. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you. So, um, a great segue to our discussion tonight. Now, as mentioned, Dr. Pringle is here tonight, and as our guest, we have a very interesting topic um, on the table. And Dr. Wilkerson, I know you're ready for tonight's conversation because, of course, with all that's going on, it is all about teacher preparation. 
okay? Yeah. So as educators, um, some of us, we have gone through the courses and the um, internship to be effective educators. Mm -hmm. Others come from a non-education background like I was, and we have been trained so um, greatly in some areas based on our, our proficiency or our area of concentration, and we can't knock that at all. So of the four of us, I think Pringle and I, Dr. Wilkerson, did you go through a traditional preparation program? I did not. My degrees are in political science, so I was alternatively certified. Okay, and the same thing for me, yes. Right. Mine was political science and broadcast news. So, um, so I can speak on that aspect with regards to my preparation once I got into education. Both of you, Dr. Pringle and Shelley, you guys can speak because you've gone through the process. Um, of course, differently, yet we have one outcome to ensure that we are impacting positively th those we're working with, our students, of course, right? So tonight we want to talk about the new era when, we when it comes to teacher preparation program. So the floor is yours. Right. Okay, so <laughs> hello, uh, everyone again. So um, I'll jump right into it. Um, Oops. You got it. Post-COVID, um, I think it's important that we start to look uh, very deeply into the future, the implications of COVID-19 and what that looks like. And I know this has been um, an ongoing conversation. People are here talking about COVID all the time. However, it has shaken our world so much mm -hmm. that we have to start thinking about what are things going to look like moving forward. So a special interest that I have taken, we've started talking about teacher preparation programs. All of us have gone through that some way, whether it be traditional or uh, an alternative certification program. What I do know is that that preparation piece is very important. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, and I can get into this and talk about this for a while, when we deal with teacher education preparation programs at uh, institutions that may not have the funding, they may not have the resources, what does that look like for the product that we are producing? So one of the things that's very big in a situation like this is um, we know in the traditional teacher education program, students have what we call clinical experiences. Okay. And those clinical experiences, just like a doctor would go in and do a residency to get the practice, students do that as well. So they'll have, they can have the full internship at the end um, of their matriculation or their time at their college or university. And they also have experiences embedded within that where they may complete a certain amount of hours just going to test the waters and seeing what the profession is like. However, post-COVID, knowing that right now there are a lot of adaptations being made, what is that going to look like? Mm. What if I can't engage in a clinical experience? Mm -hmm. um, what if I'm not able to go in a school and actually sit with students? For a lot of students, that determines whether they actually like the profession or not. So it's almost like a glimpse into it. So I wanted to discuss that because the conversation needs to happen now, especially for our minority-serving institutions, our historically black colleges and universities. What is that going to look like? This is where we prepare this product long-term. If we are going about a different way of preparing what we would call this product, what are the implications of that long-term on the students that we're serving? Okay, great point. So when we when you say the students that we are working towards, just to make sure I'm understanding this, and I want to get Dr. Wilkerson's input as well, are we specifically focusing on K through 12 educators? Yes. So we are specifically focusing on those training to be 
okay. K through 12 educators. And so when I say the students that we serve, at some point they're going to graduate, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to go out into the field. Um, and by the field, I mean they're actually going to become a teacher. Right. Elementary, middle, high school, sticking with K-12. However, if their preparation is different to the point that it can be impactful, are we creating this recursive pattern where now, and we've seen some of the data about trends in reading, mm. trends in math, and how from the 1950s to now, those things have not um, improved a great deal based on systems of accountability. So are we really going to perpetuate this notion that we can't do the hands-on, we can't have students go out and observe teachers teaching, we can't have students Mm. engaging in actual teaching. So now if I'm that person, when I get into my own classroom after I graduate, am I shell-shocked? Or does the infrastructure even promote a traditional style of teaching? So it's kind of twofold, because if we're still training them the same way and post-COVID, deals us another hand, we've just trained incorrectly for an entire four years. Or the system changes and we don't have the training at all to teach students post-COVID. What does that look like? I'm interested to get your take on that, Dr. Wilkinson. And the last part that um, Dr. Um, Prinkle mentioned, we don't train them at all. I I highly, I don't see that happening, but that's still, what, what do you think? So here's 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 the deal, um, and this is what I want to say with respect to uh, many of the points that Dr. Pringle brought up. One of the things that's very important is to understand how we can localize this issue of where we're at with preparing teachers in the state of Florida. We got more than 4,000 schools, public schools in the state of Florida um, that we're serving about 2 million students, right? Mm-hmm. But if you go on to the Florida Department of Education website and look at the number of uh, teachers that are prepared for the professional programs, it's less than a 1,000 across the entire SUS system. So one thing I think that we ought to be thinking about is transformative practices for not just preparing teachers, but encouraging people to get into the profession. Because as it stands right now, we don't have enough people who we are preparing through these traditional programs to even go out and be able to meet the needs of the some two, two million students that are in the state of Florida. In addition Absolutely. to that, I think we need to really emphasize that the process and purpose of teaching um, is, is forever going to be changed. And I, for one, am happy that we're going to be breaking a mode and a model yep. that never worked for students of color anyway. Yep. These schools were not created for uh, black and brown students, and these systems don't encourage participation from their parents and such wise. So I'm not altogether mad that we have to repeat this process. What I think we must do is sit at the table and employ solutions so this process isn't created around um, the problems that we're discussing today. Absolutely. And, and, and I love that because... One of the things that is going to be a necessity is the involvement of the community. You know, in this process, how do we engage the community? Because at this point, when we talk about stakeholders and everybody that's involved in the process, it is no longer about the people in a school building. Right now, what we're seeing is the parents, the grandparents, Mm -hmm. the guardians. Everyone is affected somehow. So as this system changes, as we start to create these new structures, we have to be cognizant of, one, what is the community going to want? Is it sustainable? And I like the fact that Dr. Wilkinson talked about education changing. We date back to the 1950s. The purpose of education was not academics. We're talking about creating global citizens then. It's this era of accountability 
that moved us into the system that we're in now. Does that change? Is there a merger? You know, I am one that believes that accountability is necessary, but is it necessary using the model that we're currently using? Mm -hmm. So with that, you have to get everybody involved. There's no way around it. So I can't train, you know, new teachers in a way that only focuses on them or somehow that training for them is going to have to really focus on how we engage the community. It's no longer this is a conversation for people that deal with community engagement. We right. have to throw that notion out the window now because everybody has to be engaged somehow. That's a and, good point. Sorry, go ahead, Dr. Wilkinson. Well, and, I would, and I'm sorry, but you guys know I'm so passionate about this. Mm-hmm. I would also add that what we, we really have to consider is how do we develop some coherence and yep. continuity in how we're engaging the community because as it stands right now, that continuity is broken up. It looks different at each school, at, at each um, yep. type of school, whether it's elementary, middle, or high school, mm-hmm. and it ends up being confusing for who? Parents and students. Yeah. Wow. And that's the, that's the interesting topic, you know, um, and we I know we only have four minutes to go, but in talking about developing that, that system where Dr. Wilkinson mentioned, you also alluded to um, Eugene regarding while we want equal equity for all, we also have to focus on the population, our brown and black yeah. individuals who, who have been oftentimes getting the lower end of yeah. the totem pole. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the conversations we had, Dr. Wilkinson, one of our, um, on one of our earlier shows, and once again, you are passionate about this, Amanda, and so are we, is to make sure that when we come out of, out of this time, we are still not doing the same old tricks, expecting exactly. a different result. Exactly. And I know you, you mentioned, you know, our black and brown children. We talk about frequently um, differentiation in education, what that looks like. In this case, maybe the system is crafted a little differently for them. In a positive way and not in, in students who come from that makeup in general. And I think even going to our black and brown children, our preparation at HBCUs, um, I'll be doing a panel on June the 3rd via Facebook Live um, discussing what does this look like mm-hmm. for us? Because it, it may be completely different. It was tough to see the inequitable measures that took place when we moved into this COVID-19 world where, you know, we're holding students accountable at the same rate that may not have the resources, that may not have the parental support Mm -hmm. and are trying their hardest to do what they need to do. So that's what I like about these types of convenings. It's not just, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. No, let's all get together. Let's all put Mm -hmm. our heads together and decide what this is going to look like. This is the perfect opportunity to really shift and make some change that's equitable for everybody. Right. And when we consider um, equitable education, we also have to consider who are you getting your information from? Right. Mm -hmm. So just because I think often we get the information from individuals in power instead of the individuals in the classroom. Exactly. Everybody in this room, and I'm sure Dr. Wilkerson, but I'm positive everybody in this room we started at a school that was deemed one of the worst secondary school in Orange County. If not Maybe the state. in Florida. Yeah. Right, in Florida. Right? However, we didn't just, um, there was no training given to us whether we completed the preparation yeah. program or not that made us stay or didn't stay. We stayed because wanted we to wanted to. We stayed exactly. because we Of the students we were working with. Exactly. Their success. Be successful. Yes. Yes. Right. And we felt like we needed to invest. Yep. yep. I agree. Yeah. One of the things I want to put on the table to, to respond to a question Pringle, Dr. Pringle, excuse me, uh, mentioned is 
What can we do? I've been thinking about this, Dr. Pringle. We need to be able to recommend instructional practices that are going to be able to best support our kids. We know our kids better than the system does, and yet Absolutely. the system dictates how we leverage those practices. And so I really do think that we need to think about the instructional practices and not just instructional practices, but the emotional and mental and social conditions for which we support students. Wow. We're going to have to definitely have a part two of this, Dr. Yes, Pringle, because we, we have a minute to go. Yes, but and then we have to consider, you have um, on June 3rd? June 3rd. Yes. yes. So yes. on June 3rd, I'll be doing a panel via Facebook Live. I'll send you guys the information. Um, discussing, re discussing, re envisioning um, HBCU teacher preparation programs. We cannot do business as usual anymore. No, we can't. We cannot. You know what? We and even though we have um, a minute or less to go, any final word? Um, yes. Yeah, so I was saying after you yes. do that panel discussion, you gotta come back. Have Absolutely. To come back. Yes. <laughs> and we need to have more time to be absolutely, able to be, absolutely, you know, to delve deeper into this discussion because now we have other uh, factors to consider, mm -hmm. especially with. Um, COVID-19 yes. and what school look like and all the, the concerns that we have yeah. and the questions we have um, coming this fall. So Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Dr. Mena, we're going to wrap things up. We are... <laughs> Don't go away, Facebook, Instagram. We're going to definitely have some more conversation once we wrap things up here on WOKB 1680. Next week, we have another awesome, awesome show prepared for you. And we want you to continue to follow us, support us on our um, website. Once again, thank you tonight for the discussion. And next week, tune in for some more on Central Florida Education Pioneers. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Join us again every Fridays at 7.35 p.m. We are the Central Florida Education Pioneers.